What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Sports Kingdom and another episode of the TSK Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler Pacholke. What's up, TP? How you living? What up, Duke? I'm living good, man. Let's do this. Well, before we start, i got to talk about this T-shirt you're wearing. Yeah. It is probably one of the greatest T-shirts <laughs> I have ever seen. It's got Rob Gronkowski, Wes Welker, Tom Brady, and Bill Belichick on it. Now, everybody knows I'm not a Patriots fan. But the reason I love this shirt is you have those four guys yeah. dressed as the 96 Bulls. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the Patriots as the 96 Bulls. It's a, it's a fan favorite. So I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and we got Rob Gronkowski as Michael Jordan. Of course. Wes Welker as Scottie Pippen. Obviously. Bill Belichick, headset and all, in full suit with a mustache. With Phil Jackson's mustache. Too. With Phil Jackson's yeah. mustache yeah. and a full suit. And Tom Brady with eye black, red hair, and the number 91 with Dennis Rodman's tattoos. It is awesome. Yeah, it's great. Great choice, Tyler. Great Great choice. So now that we got that out of the way, uh, be sure to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at TSK Show. If you want to find myself or Tyler on Twitter, be sure to follow us at The Duke of Sports is my Twitter. And then Tyler's is at Tyler's underscore world underscore. All of our content can be found on SoundCloud. Uh, Just type in the link soundcloud.com slash TSK show. Coming up a little later on in the show, we are talking everything going on in the NBA. Also, Lonzo Ball became the youngest player in NBA history to record a triple-double. We're going to talk about the significance of that. Uh, Also, we will have Tyler's NFL Power Rankings presented by the Cut Barbershop and our picks of the week for Week 11 in the NFL. We're also going to jump into college basketball for the first time as the beginning of the college basketball season is always an exciting time in sports. And uh, But first, uh, I want to start off with a couple quick things that we went over last week that I feel need to be updated a little bit. First of all, congratulations to both Aaron Judge of the Yankees and Cody Bellinger of the Dodgers on both being voted Rookie of the Year for the AL and the NL unanimously. Uh, this is only the fourth time in MLB history that the Rookie of the Year for both leagues was a unanimous winner, so that's pretty rare, pretty cool. Yeah, they, those, that one seemed pretty obvious, though. We were, we were all about that. Yeah. Uh, this is also the second unanimous Rookie of the Year in a row for the Los Angeles Dodgers, yeah. as Corey Seager was the unanimous Rookie of the Year last season. Also, congratulations to Torrey Lovello of the Arizona Diamondbacks for winning NL Manager of the Year in his first season as Manager of the Snakes. Also, congrats to Paul Molitor of the Twins for winning AL Manager of the Year. Uh, the Twins finished the season 85-77 and 77 after 103 losses last year. So that's a, that's a huge jump. Uh, and we also have an update uh, from the international world. Yeah. Uh, an update from China and the whole mess over there with the three UCLA freshman basketball players. All three players have been released, and uh, they've actually landed in Los Angeles by now. And according to ESPN... A, an anonymous U.S. official told the Washington Post that all three players' charges have been reduced. Uh, obviously, this is good news for not only the players and their families, but for UCLA as a university, uh, that, that there is an end, to, end in sight for this crazy story. Now, I don't know what sort of punishment from the Chinese government they may face if it is true that their charges were d- reduced. Uh, I remember there was talk of there being like a three- to ten-year sentence for the shoplifting charge but obviously they've been reduced so we don't know what's going to happen with that but i think uh, all three players are going to receive a severely less harsh punishment than what it could have been from both the chinese government and the ucla and the ncaa yeah no i mean i think they should probably they're probably gonna get kicked out of school but we'll see i mean yeah who knows you never i've just never seen a situation like this before so i don't know how they react to it yeah i mean there's uh, a lot of talk has been said about uh, this might be the perfect time for UCLA to cut ties with the Ball family yeah. since uh, we don't think LaMelo will be eligible. I'd in a be surprised years. if, if uh, Jello ever plays for UCLA. I mean, yeah, I don't think he will I think either. they're going to pull him out of school. Wouldn't shock me. If he doesn't get kicked out of school. Yeah. 
so now moving on to college basketball on the court. Uh, the first regular season AP poll for college basketball was released on Monday. The top ten goes as follows. Number one, Duke. Ugh. Two, Michigan State. Three, Arizona. Uh, four, Kansas. Five, Villanova. Six, Wichita State. Seven, Kentucky. Eight, Florida. Nine, North Carolina. Yeah. The reigning champs. Hello. Uh, and number 10, the hated uh, University of Southern California Trojans. Uh, some other notable schools in the top 25 are Miami at 11, Gonzaga at 17, uh, UCLA at 23. Shout go. out UCLA getting yeah. their first win against Georgia Tech over there in China, that's minus a, the three yeah, freshmen. A good, that's a really good win for them, despite all the craziness. Yeah, that's and happening. I. I I was on the East Coast this weekend. Uh, it was very, it was very hard to stay up and watch the first game of UCLA season because it didn't start until eleven thirty on the East Coast. It was very late. I only watched the first half. I was very tired, jet lagged. Um, but they look good. Jalen Hands looks like a great point guard. Who maybe he stays another year. Probably won't. Um, also, another freshman looked good. Chris Wilkes. Um, obviously, Thomas Welsh, Aaron Holiday, and all the other returning players look good. So uh, things things on the court are looking good for UCLA. Yeah, UCLA is going to be good this year. You got a great coach too. Yeah, no, I definitely I definitely see them making the tournament. I don't know about the Final Four. Yeah, Jeez. I don't think they're a Final Four team, but they make the tournament. Yeah, if I had to predict who was going to make the Final Four right here, right now, I'd probably go with Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Arizona. Oh man. Uh, I I mean I definitely uh, I th- I think Gonzaga is making their that's kind of my wild card shot for the Final Four. I think Gonzaga is making it. Josh Perkins, the senior, is going to lead the team with Mark Few. Obviously knows what he's doing in the tournament. He's he's broken that barrier of Final Four and championship games. Um, then Kentucky, uh, we know how Calipari does it. Uh, they're playing Kansas tonight. I think they get the W. I also think Michigan State, I always, I'm always going to go with Tom Izzo, and he's got you know that great player, Miles Bridges, who could be the player of the year this year. And then, of course, I got UNC, my favorite team in all of sports. Champs last year. Wait, that's your favorite team in all of sports? Really? Oh, yeah, for sure. Over any Seattle team? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Wow. definitely. Okay. No, Tar Heels over everything. I've, uh, that's always how it's been, too. I mean, I, I never, uh, never, never stopped having that opinion on the Tar Heels. Um, but yeah, last year they won the championship. Two years ago they lost the championship by a last-second shot. So um, they got two players that have played in both of those national championships games in seniors, Joel Berry and Theo Pinson. So um, I think those guys lead the team back to the championship this year. They could, they, I mean, this could be a great – this could be low-key the best run North Carolina's ever had. Yeah, I mean, three and, straight And people aren't trips. even talking about it, you know. Um I mean, going back to Duke, Duke has eight freshmen on their team, including the number one recruit coming into the season, Marvin Bagley III. Grayson Allen has returned for his senior season. Um, He's looking to build back up his draft stock after it kind of took a hit with some on-court issues. uh, That included a suspension last season. And, of course, you can never count out Coach K, arguably one of the best basketball coaches ever. Yeah. Uh, Just always seems to find a way to get it done in March. Um, Or get upset in the first round. One of the two. two. Um, Kentucky had the second-best recruiting class coming into the season, only behind Duke, uh, highlighted by six five-star recruits, including Kevin Knox, Jared Vanderbilt, and P.J. Washington. Coach Calipari always seems to find those great five-star recruits, gets them all to buy into his system for one year at a time, and then always finds a way to make a deep run in the tournament. Uh, I think this team's going to be really exciting to, to watch this season. Yeah, Kentucky's always just so good, so loaded with freshman talent every year. Yeah, and then like you were saying about North Carolina, uh, the reigning national champions, uh, they're poised to make a third straight appearance in the Final Four, in my opinion. Roy Williams has that luxury of having a good balance between uh, underclassmen and upperclassmen. Players like Luke May and Seventh Woods are returning uh, and look to play a lot of minutes vacated by players who left last season. Yep. Uh, And then freshman Garrison Brooks is looking to make an immediate impact uh, on the team, and I think he's going to have a very productive year in could definitely be a first-round draft pick next year. Yeah, freshmen always play a big role. Um, they're always the kind of guy – the good thing about North Carolina is you've got older players that you can kind of hang your hat on. And so anytime you get anything from a freshman, it's, it's, a, it's like a plus. It's like a bonus for North Carolina, which is why I think they're such a tough team because you know every single game – Joel Berry, Luke May, Theo Pinson. Yeah, you know boards. what you're going to get from those guys. You know guys. what you're getting. They've been there. They've done that. They've been in the system. Um, and so – 
when you get anything given to you out of the freshman, it's just a bonus. That's why they're so hard to stop. This team's going to make a run. They're just too experienced not to. They're going to be ready. Yeah, and then um, the team that I'll be rooting for if they make it to the Final Four, because I don't think UCLA will make it, uh, University of Arizona. My sister goes there. She's a junior. Got to keep Got to keep the Pac-12 in the family. DeAndre Hyden's, uh he's a he's a lottery pick. He's the player I brought up. Um, players like also Alonzo Trier and Parker Jackson Cartwright. Trier, uh, he's, he's a Seattle kid. Yeah. Yeah, he grew up in Seattle. He moved, I think, when he when he went to high school. That's why it doesn't say he went to Seattle in high school. But Trier, Seattle yeah. Boy. I mean, Trier is one of the, one of the most premier talents in the Pac-12 right now. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, having a freshman like seven-one center DeAndre Eaton. Um, those guys are going to be players to watch. Uh, I think Arizona may have one of the easier routes to get to the tournament, but I think they'll be in some really close games in the Pac-12, but they'll just be able to find a way to squeeze it out. Uh, I, I, I love Arizona basketball. That, that's, a, that's a great program. And to think they got Aiton this year. Last year they had Laurie Markin in, who was a top-10 pick. And, then and next, he's killing it. In the and league. then next year, who do they got coming into town to play big guy? Other than Shaq Daddy's son, Sharif O'Neal. So, you know, and then – they put out players like Aaron Gordon and even Derek Williams was the second pick of the draft. So yeah. it's like, that's a great program. I, it, it would be nice to see if they can get another banner up post. Um, uh, oh, Lute Olson. Post Lute Olson. Yeah. There we go. Um, yeah. So, I mean, those are, those are the four teams I think will make it to the final four. It's definitely going to be an exciting year. Uh, college basketball is always crazy. It's one of my favorite sports because of how authentic and, real it is for these players like they're playing for literally just the love of the game and trying to make it to the nba yeah and it's 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 a lot of fun to watch no it's a great it's great i'm excited for the season go tar heels <laughs> go bruins uh now moving on we're gonna move to uh tyler's nfl power rankings presented by the cup barbershop yeah uh tyler any any newcomers any surprises what do we got what do we got this week um is it I think the biggest surprise probably comes in at number 10 just because they have the worst record of all my top 10 teams. It's the 5-4 and four Atlanta Falcons. And they also got a tough game this weekend playing Seattle. So, well, you know, they could be looking at 500 for sure yeah. um, if they lose that game. But I still think, you know, coming off the win against Dallas, I still think they're a top 10 talent. Um, I still believe they could be the best offense in the NFL. So I have to put them uh, – and I put them ahead of Carolina – um, I left Carolina out because I think Atlanta is going to come back and have a better record than Carolina and make the playoffs over the Panthers. Okay. Um, I think New Orleans is winning that division, though. Yeah, I think I think New Orleans has kind of set themselves apart. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I definitely think I, I I have Atlanta and Seattle as as my wild cards right now. Okay. Um, coming in at number nine, uh, this probably isn't much of a surprise, but it's the Vikings at seven and two, coming off a win against the Redskins. Um, I'm not a huge Vikings fan. Like I said, they kind of have a middle of the pack offense, but that defense is still amazing, still making plays. Arguably the most athletic defense in the league, um, especially at linebacker and safety. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like I like Minnesota. They're playing in the the game of the week this week, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean. Um Minnesota kind of just all depends on who's going to be playing quarterback for them each week. Hey, Case Keenum's been winning you games. Uh, yeah, I, so I, I you got to roll with Case Keenum. I think you have to. Yeah, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think we're going to see him uh, any, like within the next two games or something. I don't think um, we'll see it, him start. We might see him take a couple snaps. Yeah, it would either take um, like you know a couple bad games, uh, win or loss by Case Keenum, which I don't think or is going to happen, or a blowout loss. Yeah, maybe a couple losses or a big blowout loss. Uh, then. They'll try and do. Uh, they'll try and switch something up. But right now they're in the the driver's seat as far as that division. Yeah, hundred so percent. They control their own destiny for I sure. I would keep rolling with Case. I mean, he's winning you games, and that defense is solid enough. It's just amazing they've been able to bounce back from the Dalvin Cook loss. Yeah, that was kind of the one that I thought was gonna you know throw throw a wrench in things, but they keep winning. Um, coming in at number eight, I got one of my my favorite teams this year, the Saxonville Jaguars. Yep. Um, coming off a win against Carson, uh, you know, that's obviously not that impressive. But um, when you look at the – I love that you call them the Carson Chargers. Hey, they're the Carson <laughs> Chargers, baby. Uh, and, you know, just looking at the numbers, they're first in the NFL in, uh, in points allowed. They're first in the NFL in sacks. Um, they're first in the NFL in rushing yards per game. Thank they're, you, Leonard Fournette. They're third in the NFL in interceptions. They're third in the NFL in yards allowed. 
They're they're crushing right now. Um, and nobody was expecting this. No, no. I mean, they have some bad losses, but I think they're just they're they're cruising. Tennessee's putting a lot of pressure on them. Um, yeah, especially with them winning. Yeah, so you know you could see maybe a wild card scenario, but I think Jacksonville now. I just think they're going to be a playoff team. They're playing really well. Um, the one, the one, the Saxonville stuff though. Thirty-five sacks right now through nine games. Second place is six sacks behind them, and it's the Panthers. They played one more game than them. So <laughs> you know, Carolina's played ten games. This is six sacks uh, behind a nine-game Saxonville Jaguars. Wow, that's now that. That's a stat of all stats, right? Yeah, there. no, they're dominating. Um, I love watching this team play, so I hope they uh, make the playoffs and make a run. Um, coming at number seven off a of bye week, six and three, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Kareem Hunt second in rushing yards. Alex Smith still playing well. He's finally had his first pick of the season. Yeah, um, yeah. They don't. I don't think they got too much to worry about. I think they're going to win that division pretty easily now that Denver is struggling. Um, yeah. So yeah, Kansas City. We'll see them in the playoffs. Um, coming at number six, this team is really hard for me to judge right now. They could easily be the best team in the NFL um, is the New Orleans Saints. I mean, coming off just a crushing win against Buffalo. Yeah, they demolished Buffalo. I got that so wrong last week. Yeah, they're averaging 30 points a game, seven wins in a row. Um, you know, I don't, there's not much else to say other than that, that they're the team right now that looks like they're peaking. I mean, outside of like Philly and Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, they're, they look like they're just peaking right now and playing really good football. Um, and then moving on, uh, going into the top five. At number five, I got uh, my Seattle Seahawks at six and three. Coming off a win against Arizona, it, that was a really uh, – a tough one. Yeah, it was a tough game because we won the game, but we lost our, our heart and soul. Literally. So, yeah, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, Richard Sherman. Uh, but I feel, I, like, I, feel like that de- I feel like that defense is just – we Next signed Byron. Up. Well, we we just signed Byron Maxwell. Yeah. So we picked him back up. He's back on the team. Um, I'm really I'm I'm extremely excited about uh, Shaq uh, on on the outside. He's going to be our new uh, number one corner. Yeah. So uh, this is a great opportunity for him, and I really hope he's a rookie, and uh, I hope I hope he progresses into our number one guy. Although this although this weekend is going to be. A tough test against Atlanta Falcons. Uh, you know they outed us from the playoffs last year. Dan Quinn, our you know our old defense coordinator, yeah. is their head coach. We'll it's see. also it's also uh, going to be a good chance for uh, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones to really test that uh, uh, secondary. Yeah, I mean Jeremy Lane, Maxwell, Shaq, you guys, they all better be ready to be ready to roll because Falcons they could score forty anytime. Yeah. And then real quick, shout out Richard Sherman. He's an L.A. guy, big yeah. Laker fan from yeah. Compton. Uh, hope he gets better soon. He'll, yeah. be, he'll be back better than ever, though, got I have the, no doubt. Got the goddamn Kobe injury. I know. No, that's and, like, you could, see, you could see him mouthing it on the sidelines to multiple people. Nah, like, he knew. I, I ruptured my Achilles. Yeah, he knew. Well, and he said, it's, he said it's been bothering him since the Rams game, and he was just basically waiting for it to rupture. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's tough. Luckily, you know, we played Thursday and then we go to Monday, so we kind of got like a mini bye week this week. Yeah, a mini one. Um, it would be nice for the team to uh, get ready for Atlanta. Um, number four, here we go, the Rams. All right. Yeah, I LA. love seeing the Rams ahead of the Seahawks. Yeah, dude, they're they're awesome. They're, they're a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, everyone knows about their offense and, and how much they score, 32.9 points per game now. I got a little stat that's a good sign for the Rams fans. Here we go. 32.9 points per game is, in fact, uh, in 1999 when they won the Super Bowl, the greatest show on turf, arguably one of the best offenses of all time, averaged 32.9 points a game. And that's what the Rams are averaging right now. And that's what the Rams are averaging right now. Um, in 1999, they finished 13-3, and won the Super Bowl. This year, they're 7-2. and They're averaging 32.9 points a game. Is this the second coming of the greatest show on turf? I just got goosebumps. Yeah, it's good that, stuff, right? That is not a stat I have heard before. That is awesome. Yeah. And that gets me really excited. Yeah, you know, we're they're nine games in, you know, and that's coming off of a full 16 games. But, hey, they're on pace to do it. And, you know, they're not looking like they're going to slow down at all. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. They yeah. really seem to be have everything fig- figured out. Yeah, the, I mean – are the best offense in the NFL, and that's 
And that's say, and I'm confident saying they're the best offense at, when you have a team like Brady and Belichick, and you got Drew Brees and what they're doing down there. But I think this is the best offense in the NFL, and I think uh, if you're a Rams fan, you should be stoked right now. Yeah, because I mean that the, they're doing what the greats did. Um, so, yeah, moving on to number three, I got the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've been high on them all year. Uh, Colts, not – I mean, they got the win against the Colts. Not a, not the greatest win. Pretty but, ugly win. Yeah, pretty ugly win, but um, they're still playing They're still playing well. They still got the triple Bs on offense. Their defense is second in points allowed and is second in yards allowed. So, they're the Steelers of old, just, yeah. you know, a faster-paced offense. So, uh, I, like the, I like the Steelers. They're definitely the biggest threat to the, uh, to the Patriots as far as the AFC goes. Uh, coming at number two off of bye, the 8-1 Eagles. Um, you know, same old song and dance here. We're going to continue to watch how Ajayi plays with this new team. Yeah. He... Carson Wentz is an MVP candidate and arguably the most improved player in the NFL. Uh, Peterson's probably coach well, of the year. More improved than Jared Goff? I don't know. You tell me. I mean, he's an MVP candidate. Yeah, the, I, I, think, I think they're both MVP candidates at this point. I think point. the Rams – I think I think Goff has a lot more help. I think I think the Rams are a better team than – Constructively together. Yeah, I think okay. the Rams on paper are a better team than Philly was. Um, I think I think Wentz is doing more with less. And, okay. But that's but that's a good conversation. Hey, no, that's, I mean, a, that's, a fair, that's a fair argument. And how awesome is it for two franchises like L.A. and Philly to have the top two picks – and then yeah, and it just it completely work out. Probably the top two most improved players in the NFL. Yeah, I mean that at th- the most important position. This, this will not be the last time we discuss just Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. No, not at all. These guys are here to stay. They're they're crushing it. Um, and okay, so and the Philly is the second um, in points per game, only to the Rams. So there you go. The top two picks um, leading the leading the NFL in scoring. That's good shit. Um, number one. Brady and Belichick, always hard not to beat Denver by. Uh, well, they crushed them. Yeah, they crushed 41 16. They crushed Denver. Uh, Denver's a good, respectful defense with a lot of veterans. That wasn't just a rollover game. Um, they're looking for their ninth straight AFC title and another yeah. Super Bowl appearance. I, I mean, I, I I just don't see the AFC. You know, Jacksonville's not quite there yet. Kansas City and Pittsburgh are really solid football teams, but I just don't know if they can beat the the Patriots. I see the Patriots get another AFC East title in the Super Bowl appearance. There you go. So, yeah, uh, top ten, New England, Philly, Pittsburgh, Los Angeles, Rams, Seattle, New Orleans, Jacksonville, Minnesota, and Atlanta. All right. Well, that wraps up uh, Tyler's NFL Power Rankings presented by the Cup Barbershop. Now we'll move on to my picks of the week for week 10. Some good stuff this week. Yeah. Um, now, I went 11-3 and three last week. 12-2. and two. See? Yeah. There you go. Um, but I completely forgot to write down my overall record. I'm sitting, I'm sitting at, uh, what was my overall record? Um, 77-38. So it's a 6.69 win percentage. I'm slowly, okay. slowly getting up there to 800. That's what I I'm, want. I'm pretty close to that because. No, you are. Yeah. You're, you're, so I think you're a handful of games behind. Yeah. So, um, I'll update my, uh, my total score. Um, when, when I get back to, uh, when I get back to the house. Yeah. Don't keep us waiting too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, first game of the week, Thursday night football. Uh, we got the Tennessee Titans coming in off of four straight victories. Who would have ever thought that? Uh, traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Uh, Titans are six and three. Steelers are seven and two. The line for this game is Pittsburgh minus seven. Yeah, uh, I still th- I'll still take Pittsburgh. Yeah, I got I got, I got Pittsburgh. Although Tennessee is much better than I think they are, um, I'm still taking Pittsburgh for a big win at home on Thursday night football. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think Pittsburgh is going to win. Although Tennessee's looking game. good, Demarco's yeah, no, looking good. Yeah, th- I mean Tennessee has a chance to get a wild card spot in the AFC. They have a chance. To, I mean, they're tied with Saxonville, and I love Saxonville. So, you know, yeah, if, if one of those two teams trips up, it could go either way. Oh yeah. Uh, and then Sunday, uh, the first game we got uh, the Los Angeles Rams, seven and two, traveling to Minnesota to take on the seven and two Vikings. This is game of the week. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. This is an awesome matchup. Yeah. It's it's going to be a great game. I'm very nervous about it. It's offense versus defense. 
athletes and well, at, at, at every level there's great matchups i mean yeah Gurley and those linebackers you know i'd say the rams have the edge defense to offense in terms of the rams defense versus the minnesota offense mm-hmm. but i mean be, the what, minnesota defense is I, scary i think the, i think the rams i think the rams defense is going to end up winning this game for them so I do think i the offense is going to do it it's kind of the offense. I think is going to be a stalemate with uh, Minnesota's defense. So yeah. I think the I think the difference in this game is the Rams win with their defense because their de- I mean their defense doesn't really get a ton of respect because their offense is so good. But that's a really talented defense. Oh yeah, and I mean the line for this game is Minnesota minus two, so it, it's going to go either way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I definitely think the Rams are going to win this game. But yep. it's definitely uh, that's scary, a toss-up. scary game. week. Game of the week, definitely. Uh, next, we got the Detroit Lions taking on the Chicago Bears in Chicago. Lions coming in at five and four, Bears coming in at three and six. Detroit's favored by a field goal on the road, so uh, I got the Lions winning this game. Yep, me too. Bears just, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's the Bears. Yeah, and Detroit really needs to take care of this because um, with Minnesota playing the Rams, you know, I, they they could really make up a lot of ground in that division. 100%. Because if they if they go ahead and snag a win and Minnesota takes a loss, they're they're only one game away from first place in that division. Yeah, this this is a huge game for Matt Stafford and the Lions, um, but we'll see. So uh, next we got the Baltimore Ravens coming in at five and four, traveling to Green Bay. This is another. Or, tough excuse me, the Ravens are four and five, and then the Packers uh, are five and four. Yep. Uh, this game's at Lambeau. Another tough game for me to to figure out because I think. The Baltimore's a good team. I wouldn't but, say Baltimore's a good team, but but uh, uh, yeah, Green Bay without Rodgers is always tough to bet on. So it's get this. A, I think Baltimore's going to win this game. Baltimore's favored minus two. So yeah, I think yeah, I got. I, I have the Ravens winning this game. Yeah. Um, I mean the Packers had a big win last week. Great for Brett Hundley getting his first win under mm-hmm. his belt. Um, but the Baltimore defense could give Brett Hundley one of these. Oh shit. Yeah, like Moments, welcome you know, to like, the league. What, what's my what's what's my career looking like? Yeah, um, and then next we got uh, Saxonville Jaguars coming in at six and three, traveling to Cleveland to take on the zero and nine Browns. Jacksonville's favored by a touchdown and a half. So, uh, I mean, there's no not really much to say here. Uh, Jacksonville's gonna whoop on Cleveland. Yeah, no, that's not that's this game's gonna be gonna be an ugly one even after well i don't know how much worse he can get for cleveland the last game was a disaster oh i've never with seen sean kaiser falling on his face yeah i mean supposedly he checks to that play and runs the clock out on on them when they could could have put some points up um you saw duke johnson spike his helmet yeah, a- he after pissed. it and, and the coach spike his uh his play card so they're a mess that's yeah it's just it's frustrating for the browns you know that they just have so many issues. I don't know where to start fixing that team. Um, so, yeah, I think they're going to have another big loss against Jacksonville. They, I could see this being a shutout again for Jacksonville. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, next we got the Arizona Cardinals going to Houston to take on the Texans. This is another tough game to call. Yeah, this this week was had a lot of tough matchups to call. Got, got a couple second-tier quarterbacks and, and Drew Stanton and Tom Savage playing. Yeah. It's uh, it's just tough, you know. Arizona is favored by uh, minus one. Yeah, I took Ariz- I picked Arizona so at I. Houston, um, just because I think Drew Stanton has a uh, has a winning record as a starting quarterback. So you know, I'm going to go with that stat as the as the uh, as the last factor to win the game. Yeah, so I mean that that game's really a toss up. It it could go either way, but uh, we'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, next, we got the Washington Redskins coming in at four and five, traveling down to the Big Easy to take on the New Orleans Saints coming in at seven and two. New Orleans is minus seven and a half. Yeah, I, t- I still take New Orleans. Yeah. I mean, I think New Orleans is going to win by double digits. Oh, for sure. Even though I always underestimate the Redskins, I just think going down to the Saints right now when they're and the Redskins just got whooped at home by yeah. by Minnesota. That that was not a good game to watch. No, they're just uh, they're peaking right now. Like I said earlier, so I think they're playing some of the best football in the NFL, and they'll continue to do that at home. Yeah. Uh, next, we got the Kansas City Chiefs coming in at six and three, traveling to New York 
coming off that loss. I don't know how they lost to the 49ers. Um, Giants are 1-8. and eight. Kansas City is at minus 10.5. Yeah, take it. Yeah, you know, I'm Kansas taking City, that bet every day. Kansas City's uh, going to crush them. I'll, I see them getting the run game going early and just dominating on the ground all game. Yeah. Um, next, we got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming in at 3-6. and six. Traveling to Miami. This is the makeup game. Yeah, I was gonna say this is the makeup game from the Hurricane. Yep. Uh, Miami's at four and five. Miami uh, is favored minus one. Yeah, I got Miami winning this game. I got Tampa Bay winning this game. Yeah, no, I don't, I, there's not much I like about Tampa Bay and Miami. There's team, not much I like about this game. Period. No, me neither. Um, but I think uh, Miami's defense is good enough to win them games, and Jay Cutler uh, is gonna play well enough to where they're gonna beat the Bucks. Well. We'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. So, the South Florida showdown. I have I have a feeling we're going to disagree on two in a row now. All right, let's hear. Um, it. I got the Buffalo Bills traveling to L.A. Uh, Bills are coming in at five and four. Chargers are three and six. Uh, Chargers are favored minus four in this game. Yeah, you know I took Carson myself. So did I. All right, we no, agree. I, I was I, wrong. I took Carson. I mean, <laughs> Buffalo is a good football team. They're another team I'm I'm not but I'm just not stoked about and I also think the Chargers are someone they could always play teams better than what their record looks like. Yeah, so 100%. I mean that's still a really good football team with a lot of talent and one of the best quarterbacks in the business. So I got yeah. Car- I got Carson beating the Bills. Yeah, I mean, Chargers they're coming off that overtime loss to the Jaguars where they could have won the game. That's their um, season in a nutshell. Yeah. Those overtime and losses. then the Bills just got their ass kicked by New Orleans in Buffalo, which I was shocked about. Yeah, I think the high point of Buffalo's season was a couple weeks ago. I, yeah. I think it's just downhill from now. Yeah. But, I mean, we'll see what Kelvin, Kelvin Benjamin can do. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's enough. No. Then they're also in the Patriots division, which, yeah. you know, you're but playing for second place. At that Ve- Vegas doesn't think it would be an upset if the Chargers won, but I think that's that's the upset. I the think most based, be, yeah. based off record, that's no, an upset. That's interesting that they favored them because – Especially not I just would favoring most, them by just a field goal. They gave them that extra point. Yeah, I, I would just assume most people would pick the Bills in this game. I, I also think Chargers is an upset there. Yeah, so uh, we'll see we'll see what happens with that. That'll be an interesting one. Uh, next, we got the Cincinnati Bengals coming in at three and six, traveling to Denver, also at three and six. Uh, Denver at minus two and a half in this game. Yeah, I'm taking Denver for the win at home. Yeah, I'm taking Denver at the win. Yeah. just because they're at home. Yeah, they're at home. They're going to take care of business. Osweiler's figuring it out. We'll see. He didn't look bad. No, and Cincinnati's not a bad football team either. It's just kind of a down year for both these teams. Yeah, um, I think both these teams thought they would be in a, a, a better spot at this point in the year. And yeah. they're not, so um, it's kind of just where we're, we're kind of at that point now. We're going to see what Cincinnati and Denver are going to try and do for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, I think I think both these teams are kind of in a transition period. I don't think Marvin Lewis is going to be back in Cincinnati after this year. They're both these teams are in a position where they could win now, so they're they're going to be making desperate moves. Oh yeah, um, and then obviously Denver with the first year head coach, it's kind of a kind of a weird year for them. Yeah. Yep. No, no, they'll figure it out. We'll see. We'll see if Paxton Lynch ever gets a shot. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, next, we got uh, the New England Patriots at seven and two, traveling up to NorCal to take on the Oakland Raiders. Uh, coming in at four and five, New England is at minus six and a half for this game. Yeah, I mean, I'll take that too. I, I think New New England's gonna win this game, but this is not gonna be an easy game. By no, it's not gonna be an easy game, but. It won't be as good of a game as we all thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season. No, no, definitely not. And it's a game where if New, New England messes around and is not playing well at first or that defense, you know, gives up points, they could end up losing to this team. This team's still got some playmakers on it. So. Yeah, definitely. And they're traveling all the way to the West Coast. So Yeah. So, um, But I got the Patriots winning that game pretty, pretty easily. Uh, and then we got a NFC East. Rivalry game for Sunday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Going to be hopefully a good game. I think it's going to be a good game, even if even if Dallas isn't one hundred percent like the like the Packers. They're going to play divisional opponents well. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, like Tyler just said, we got uh, the Philadelphia Eagles coming in at eight and one, traveling to Dallas to take on the Cowboys, coming in at five and four. And trust, yep. trust me, Dallas would not would love nothing more than to like oh mess mess up the Eagles. This is Dallas's Super Bowl now that Zeke is suspended. Yep. Um, but Philly's at minus three and a half. I got Philly winning this game. 
Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a close. I, I think it's going to be closer than people think, but I think Philly's going to pull out the win. Yeah, so do I. Um, but that's why we play the game. Yeah, th- I mean Dallas is going to need something special from Dak Prescott if they want to stay uh, competitive in this league. Oh, 100 percent. They they really need Dak and Dez to to have some fireworks if they they want to win any more games this season. Um, and then the Monday night matchup. We got the Atlanta Falcons coming in at five and four, traveling to Seattle, coming in at six and three. Seattle's favored by minus three. This is gonna be a rowdy game. I mean, we lost against DC at home, which we shouldn't. This shouldn't have happened. This is a team that outed us for the playoffs, like I said before. Dan Quinn coming back to town. This is Seattle's got to be ready to go. I got Atlanta winning this game, unfortunately. No, I mean, this game could go either way. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I, I mean, just, if any. It, the only home loss I thought we possibly could have had before, you know, looking at the uh, schedule was this game. Just because that offense is so good. And, yeah. you know, the Falcons the Falcons in, in Seattle have had a, a history of playing good football games. So. I, ju- I just think the loss of Richard Sherman is going to be too much for Seattle to overcome. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I still think they'll make the wild card because uh, the NFC West is so bad. But um, – I, I just think the Falcons are going to be able to pull it out. And they got to win now. I mean, 6-3, and three, you, you take a couple losses and you're looking you're, at You're yeah. looking outside in. Yeah, exactly. They still control their own destiny, but they got to get wins. Um, that D.C. loss was a big one. Um, but I think, I think that, you know, I'm obviously going to go with Seattle at home. The crowd's going to be nuts. Oh, yeah. Monday oh, night yeah. football in Seattle, the crowd's going to be nuts. Have you ever been to a Monday night game in Seattle? I don't think so. I went to a Sunday night game with Sean Alexander uh, – he rushed for over like 200 yards. He, Sean Alexander used to just set all sorts of crazy records so on cool. Sunday, Sunday and Monday night. Um, if you look up Sean Alexander's passes on those games, I bet you'd be impressed. Yeah. Um, so that wraps up the picks of the week for Week 10 in the NFL. Uh, coming down to the wire, only only about a month, month and a half left in the season. This is the good stuff. Luckily, November is when uh, Seattle plays well, Russell plays well. So let's hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, and now, um, before we get to the NBA, like I said a little bit earlier, I was on the East Coast this weekend. I uh, just wanted to give a little recap on my trip since uh, I went to some places I didn't think I was going to go uh, on this trip. Uh, originally, I went to Virginia to celebrate my cousin's bat mitzvah, um, and I ended up going to Maryland and Washington, D.C. all in one trip. That's how the East Coast is. It's so, that was one of the craziest things to me. Take a drive, go through a couple states. It took me 40 minutes to get from Virginia to Maryland, and then it took me like 15 minutes to get to the subway station, and then a 30-minute subway ride to D.C., and then back to Virginia the next day. So a Fuck, couple- it takes me 25 minutes to get to North Hollywood from <laughs> Sherman Oaks. Dude, that's what I was explaining to them. I was explaining to uh, people, it's like, Dude, sometimes it takes me like an hour to go like seven miles. Yeah. Um, but so a couple of weeks ago, I started to look at uh, who the Wizards would be playing when I was going to be in Virginia because I was I was only about 40 minutes from D.C. Uh, turns out the Wizards were going to be at home uh, this past weekend playing the Lakers on Thursday night and then the Hawks Saturday night. I tried to change my flight to come in Thursday morning uh, so I could go to the Laker game, but it was just too expensive to change my flight. So I was like, okay, worst-case scenario, I buy the tickets for the Hawks game on Saturday night uh, since the bat mitzvah was in the morning and the reception immediately followed the service. So real quick backstory: The cousin who I'm visiting, who I'm celebrating the bat mitzvah, I'm related to her on her dad's side of the family. And then the person I went to the game with, Gilad, he's 25. uh, He's her cousin on her mom's side. So it's like we're not really related. Yeah. But we're, like, related through yeah. our cousin. Um, so at the reception, I was telling Gilad how I was looking for tickets uh, for the game that night. And he was like, yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Um, so we looked at tickets. We found tickets 12 rows behind the basket for 56 bucks. Nothing's $56 in L.A. <laughs> I was like. You can't see the Carson Chargers for under 200 Dude. I was looking at like the same tickets just now before we started for the Lakers Sixers game tomorrow night. The same seats at Staples Center are like 200 bucks. Yeah. Like ridiculous. So, 
once I saw that it was like 56 bucks for 12 rows behind the back basket, I was like, fuck it, we're going. Uh, we bought the tickets. Uh, once the reception was over, we got in Gilad's car, went back to my hotel uh, where my family was staying so I could pack a bag because so, I was going to crash at Gilad's house in Maryland that night after the game. Then we were going to drive back to Virginia the next morning for brunch at my aunt and uncle's house. And it's like 40-minute drive from Maryland to Virginia. Um, so we get back to Gilad's house in Maryland. He lives with four roommates. They're all around like our age. They all just finished school. Uh, all really cool people. Um, and then we uh, we got got to his house, dropped off our stuff, hopped in the car, drove 15 minutes to the subway station, uh, hopped on the subway for about 25 minute ride from Maryland right into the heart of D.C. Now I kid you not, when I f- when we got off the subway, went up to the street level, I took about seven to ten steps. And I was walking inside Capital One Arena, which yeah. is which is better known as uh, the Verizon Center, uh, where the Wizards play. Uh, it opened the same year as Staples Center, but uh, it's a little bit smaller by like 1,500, 2,000 seats. Yeah. Uh, we grabbed some Chick-fil-A inside the stadium, but it was just like a pre-made chicken sandwich. Like, <laughs> it was one of those pre-made yeah, ones. Yeah. Um, it came with waffle chips like Lay's, but not fries, uh, a water, and a cookie. Not what I was expecting when Gilad told me there was a Chick-fil-A in the arena, but oh well, whatever. It's fine. Uh, We got to our seats. The game had already started, uh, and I was confused as to why the arena wasn't sold out. Uh, I mean, yeah, the Hawks aren't the same team they are anymore, but the Wizards, they've been been consistently competitive the past few seasons, and I would think for all their home home games, they'd be sold out at least, Uh, but I was wrong. I'd say the arena was probably like 75, 80% full. Yeah. And it, I was like kind of shocked at that. Yeah, especially the um, ticket prices. Yeah. And I mean, that might be a little generous because I saw a lot of empty seats. Yeah. Um, I got a dope souvenir cup that my beer came in. <laughs> there you uh, go. The beer was 15 bucks, but it was either that or a cheap Bud Light and then go spend 20 bucks on a, on a Wizards t-shirt as a keepsake from the arena or buy the one craft beer and I get this cool cup with both. <laughs> Both the Wizards and the Washington Capitals, the hockey team, both their logos are on the cup, so it's kind of like a generic like arena cup. As so a, I thought it was pretty cool. As a as a as an alcoholic and a, a basketball fan, I think you made the right choice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely went with the beer and the cup. So that was cool. Definitely brought that home with me on the plane. Uh, the game itself was pretty good. It was like an eight to ten point game at halftime with the Wizards leading, and then in the third quarter they pulled away. Uh, I want to say, like, the largest league got to, like, 24 or something like that. Yeah. Um, but John Wall and Bradley Beal didn't even play the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Um, apparently, I heard before the game as well, or I heard after the game, uh, that John Wall was sick and wasn't even supposed to play at all in the game. Uh, but he played, and thank God he did, because the only reason I went to the game was to see him and Bradley Beal play yeah. <laughs> um, in person. And I was happy I got to see both those guys play. Everyone knows John Wall is, like, the fastest player in the NBA with the ball. Yeah. And I'm telling you, in person, he's fast. Yeah. Oh, like, I've, I've real fast. Yeah. But overall, it was a great experience. Got to go to a different city, go to, a, go to the game, how local people go to the game on the subway. Mm-hmm. Don't really get to do that here in L.A. No. Um, and just to experience a new arena and a basketball game that's different from the ones I'm used to here in L.A. at Staples watching the Lakers play. Yeah, it's always weird it, was, it was really cool. How another, how another home team, you know, crowd looks like. Because you're just seeing their logos, their colors everywhere. Yeah, it's like I'm not, I'm not really rooting for anybody. Like, yeah. I was kind of cheering when the Wizards would score. No, um, I went to a lot of Portland uh, games growing up, and that's kind of how it always was. We were just kind of down the middle for the basketball teams. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just here to watch good basketball. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how I feel about Clipper tickets, too. It's like, you know. Yeah. For hey, for half the price, I can go watch you know some NBA basketball. Yeah, and then um, for I mean, my real my real inspiration for wanting to go to the game in general was um, so my uncle, who's the dad of my cousin who was getting bat mitzvahed, when he graduated college, he went to Northwestern. Him and his best friend uh, took a road trip. They started, I believe, in San Diego and ended in L.A. They went to every single baseball stadium across the Major League Baseball. Yeah, that's sick. So it's like I've always said I want to do a trip like that Yeah, that'd be, that'd be for dope. NBA arenas. Yeah. 
And so, I Staples Center. Basketball is a lot more expensive, though. That's it's a thing. lot more expensive. Yeah, baseball would be a lot cheaper, but that would be a sick trip. I mean, yeah. be, it's always cool to see a bunch of uh, cool stadiums and the home crowds. Yeah, no, it was it was a great experience. Um, so shout out to the Feldman family, Alex, Nico, Maya, Brian, Rox, my aunt and uncle, and then um, everybody that's over on the East Coast. That's my family. Um, and now uh, over the weekend, Lonzo Ball uh, became the youngest player in NBA history to record a triple-double. The youngest player before that, you know who it was? I'm going to say, I'm going to, Derek Rose? Nope. LeBron James. Well, now, surprise, surprise. Listen. I guess Magic probably should have been the first choice. LeBron came out of high school, but he didn't even achieve the youngest player in NBA history to record a triple-double till his second year in the league. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine if there ever being the rookie to get a triple-double. Yeah, Lonzo, well, I guess Ben Simmons would be the first rookie to get a triple-double, but he's older, yeah, obviously, yeah, since yeah, he, yeah. he missed a couple years. Yeah. But Lonzo did this in his rookie season. Yeah, 19 and, years old. And there's been a lot of talk about Lonzo and his inconsistencies so far in the league. People have already labeled him a bust. People are saying he'll never make it in this league, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm sorry. The kid hasn't even played 20 games in the NBA. How can you call him a bust? Uh, in my opinion, it takes several seasons uh, in the NBA for players to develop and grow in this league. Take this from someone who watches just about every single Lakers game. Lonzo is affecting the game in ways I've never seen before. Yeah. Uh, he's passing the ball to his teammates who are in the right spots at the right time. He leads the fast break beautifully, and he's just an overall smart basketball player. Yeah, it's going to be a couple of years of people trying to trying to put some negative light on him. They just they just a, a lot of people out there just don't want to see him succeed. You either want to see him succeed or you don't. Yeah, um, I mean, I really don't think he's paying attention to all the outside noise about his shot and his shooting motion. I think he knows what he needs to work on to further progress and get better as an NBA player. Um, I definitely don't think the Lakers should mess with his shooting motion, at least not right now in the middle of the season. No. If if the Lakers are to do anything with his shot, it needs to be after the season where he has a full offseason to work on uh, his mechanics, work on the muscle memory of his shot, all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, he got to the NBA with the shot he has, so I don't think like much needs to be fixed. Yeah, I completely disagree with trying to change a shot. I would never I don't I would not want him to change a shot. I don't, I don't think that's going to help at all. Um I think plus I also think by the end of the season this is not going to be a discussion. No, I, think, I don't I think, think it will be either. I think at the end of the year his numbers will be there. They're not going to be anything glorious, but they're not going to be 31% and 25 from 3. Yeah, no. But also, also the NBA game is very different from the college game from everything that I've heard. Obviously, mm-hmm. I've never played either college or the NBA. I never made it past high school. Um, but the college three is like a mid-range jumper in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. Three-point per, three percentage is not as, as worrisome as the field goal percentage. Right. But, but he's still taking his shots. That's the good thing. He, he hasn't stopped shooting. That's That would be bad. Yeah. I mean – the majority of Lonzo's shots in college at UCLA were either three-pointers or layups and dunks. Um, he's definitely going to need to work on expanding his range, hitting the jump shots more consistently. Um, and I do agree with what a lot of media personalities are saying about him needing to be more aggressive on the offensive end in terms of scoring just because of the way the trend of the NBA has gone and what we've seen from point guards recently. But I don't think that that change will happen like overnight. No, it's I mean, yeah. He's 19 years old again. He's not gonna, he's not gonna dominate the game quite yet. He, I mean, people are still trying to figure it out. He's still making his team better. Um, his shooting percentage is going to go up. His points per game is going to go up. But he affects the game in such a positive way. So many in so many other different aspects of the game. You know, with his passing and his rebounding, his length, his athleticism, his decision making. It's all all of those things are good good marks on his resume. You can't just knock a guy for shooting. Um, and he wants to get wins. I mean, he's, yeah. not, he's not someone that's, like, out there saying that he's, he's crushing it. He's, he's not, not even his defend- dad. He's not even defending himself. He's just – he's cool. He's calm. He's collected. He's 14 games into his NBA career. He was like – he said after the game he recorded the triple-double against the Bucks. he was like, yeah, but we didn't get the W. Yeah, exactly. He, so, he didn't care. No, and, and that's what you want. He's trying to – 
He's trying to make his team better. He's trying to grab rebounds. He's trying to get people open. He's trying to push the ball up the court. He's not the issue. Um, he's going to grow, and in two years, this is going to be. We're going to think this is this stupid. Story. Yeah, we're going to think this was a dumb thing for us to even talk about. Um, but because of who his dad is and his family's name, people people were ready to jump on him, and yeah. rightfully so. They put a lot of they, you know, they put a lot of stuff out there into existence. <laughs> um, so you know, they're people are either going to love him or they hate him. So you know, you're either all, you're either shout out his shooting percentages or you're shouting out the fact that. He's averaging seven point two assists a game. Yeah, exactly. Like, I I I don't think I've seen a rookie control the game the way he controls it. Yeah, when he's got the ball in his hands, you just think the things are going to go all right, you know. Yeah. Um, another big topic in the NBA recently is the disparity in competition between the two conferences uh, based off the talent on paper mm-hmm. uh, for all thirty teams. Uh, interestingly enough, I was listening to Stephen A. Smith's radio show earlier today on ESPN, uh, on ESPN LA, and he was talking to Brian Windhorst. Obviously, Brian Windhorst is very in the know, uh, always has his hands and feet in NBA things. Uh, and Windhorst was saying that the Eastern Conference actually has a better record against the Western Conference teams than the West has against Eastern Conference teams so far in the season obviously small sample size not even we're just about a month into the season now but at first when I heard this I was like oh wow that's that's interesting I wouldn't really expect that since we've always been talking about the west being so much better than the east but the more I thought about it it, it kind of makes sense we're, we're just about a month into the season and all of the super teams in the west are still trying to figure out things and how things are supposed to work with the new additions to their team uh, Houston and Chris Paul. Chris Paul's obviously hurt. Um, Minnesota with um, Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins. The Warriors started off a little sluggish. Oklahoma City, which I think is the bi- biggest example of this. Um, everyone was expecting them to be somewhere near the top come season's end. Uh, but right now they're under 500, all while Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Melo. Uh, they're, they look great individually mm-hmm. on the court. But for some reason, they can't figure out how to string some wins together for themselves and come together as a team. They just got their first win against any Western Conference team over the weekend against the Clippers, who have fallen off from their hot start and now have a worse record than the Lakers. Yeah, they lost six in a row. Yeah. Um, And then teams like Boston in the East, even after the devastating injury to Gordon Hayward, they're on their longest win streak in like 30 years. Yeah, hats off to Brad Stevens. I mean, amazing. Yeah. Uh, the Detroit Pistons, uh, they've kind of come out of nowhere. They're currently second in the East with a record of 10-3. and three. Uh, Cleveland is back to an even 500 after a crazy game at Madison Square Garden Monday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Wizards and the Raptors, are, they're right where they thought they would be, or right where we thought they would be in like the third and the fourth spot in the East. Yeah. Am I crazy, Tyler? Or will these Western Conference super teams figure it out and right the ship and shift the balance of power in the NBA back to the Western Conference. Yeah, that's interesting that the that the East is playing so well against the West. Um, I think at the end the numbers will show the West is dominant still. Uh, I think all these Western Conference teams are going to be, you know, four of the top five teams in the NBA I think are going to be Western Conference teams. I think, you know, Minnesota's looking good there. I, I think they're where we wanted them to be. Yeah. If you're a Timberwolves fan, they're they're winning games and that's and you want them to stay above five hundred as long as possible because, you know, they've had a tendency to dip alone. Yeah, and once fall once apart. they get under five hundred it kinda of falls apart for them. And the East, you know, the East has a couple teams I just don't believe in. Um I think the the Orlando Magic and the Detroit Pistons are I think they're jokers. I don't think they're making Just the playoffs. Just in a bottle, kind of. Yeah, I mean, they're playing really good right now. Um, off to a great start, which is what you want, but – um, I, I just I think at the end of the season, Detroit and Orlando, they're not going to be anyone that's beaten these great yeah, Western I don't, Conference I don't think teams. so either. Um, but the East the East has got some exciting, super young talent, and 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 Brad Stevens is tearing up the NBA as far as his coaching ability. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are killing it in Philly. Yeah, and then you got DC and Toronto, who are teams that have been together for a long, long time. So, yeah, they've been together four or five years now. Yeah, I mean the East is is. I still think the East is pretty bad, but it's not quite as bad as maybe we thought it was. Um, but I also I also think 
the Eastern Conference has an advantage when they play a Western Conference team because the West beats up on each other so much. Yeah, no, the the West is tough. I mean, playing all those teams, you're only playing the East guys twice a year, and then, you know, every other game is against Western Conference teams. So that's, what, like 50 games yeah. against Western Conference teams. That's tough. But, yeah, so, I mean, so to answer your question, I think the, the power is still in the West. I think all these teams in the West are going to figure it out. And I think at the end of the year, the West will have beat up on the East. I think the numbers will be there. Yes, I mean, so do I, but, I mean, still, it's a very small sample size. Yep. I'm excited that we're starting to really get into the thick of the NBA season. The two, uh, arguably the two most exciting players in the league, Chris Stops and Giannis, play in the East. Oh. So, you know, they could do anything. Um, Brad Stevens is is just waiting for Pop to leave, and he'll be the best coach in the NBA. Twelve oh, hands down. 12-game win streak after a Gordon Hayward injury. Um, yeah, playing. after starting the season 0-2, they've won 12 straight, and they're probably going to win a 13th game in a row because they're playing Brooklyn Tuesday night. Yeah, no, they're crushing. Boston's looking really, really good. Um, and, you know, I'm not trying to undermine Kyrie. I just I, I, I give most of the um, credit to Brad Stevens because of the coaching aspect or the coaching dynamic of that team. You thought you had a certain roster coming in. Yeah. And now you don't have that and roster. And now you're working with what you got, and it's still working. It just, you know, it shows you what coaching can do for you in professional sports still. Yeah, I definitely think coaches don't don't get a lot. And Minnesota more. is another good example, Thibodeau, you know. Yeah, uh, I, I think coaches don't really get as much credit as they used to in professional sports. No, because, you know, there's, there's certain – I think it's because you can win without them, you know what I mean? Yeah, you like, can just put teams together and like it just Cle- works. Like Cleveland won a championship – Tyron Lewis first year you know like yeah, I don't and he think got, t- and he started halfway through the year and he's more you know so you got these coaches that are more like managers you know Eric Spolstra a type of guy it's yeah and, it's not about that, managing on the court it's and, about managing the personalities in the locker room and you got and then you got real you know schematic coaches like Kerr and Mike D'Antoni you know and yeah. Popovich that run their their shit a certain way yeah. you know and then there's guys just when it, when you got five players out there and you're coaching against another guy like Brad Stevens, he's going to put any five guys you give him, he's going to give get your best out of those guys. Yeah, exactly. So um, I think he's, he's one of the best, and I think that's why Boston's playing so well. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely definitely going to see be interesting to see now that Cleveland's back to 500 if they can really distance themselves from that middle of the pack where they are right now to try and get back up to the top. Yeah, this could, this could be a big season for LeBron. We'll see how he fights through adversity once again. Yeah, and I mean, he's already he's already at a level of petty that he he's usually at in like January. Yeah, I mean, with he's all pissed the, off all the social he's, media he's, posts and I'm the king of New York and Arthur. You see like five different Cleveland players posted it an Arthur Instagram post last night. Yeah, I mean, just, I, th- I think they're just trying to Yeah, they're just know, trying to troll everybody. Make but, it easy, but make it easier on LeBron, but, you know, I think he's – we're going to just – we have to see his takeover mode and his desperation and his panic it come into play right now. And um, he's the best player in the world still. I still think Cleveland's going to be a, a playoff team, obviously, and they're probably going to be in the finals. But if they don't get it together, you know, LeBron could lose out on a – he's got a small window left to win championships. So every year that uh, – that desperation, that sense of urgency has got to be there. Yeah, and just just to update, because uh, my phone just lit up, uh, the Celtics did win tonight. Uh, it's The final score was 109-102 to 102 against the Brooklyn Nets. It's their 13th straight victory for uh, Boston. Kyrie had 25 points in his return. He was wearing that mask. Love when players wear masks. It's really cool. <laughs> just a little tidbit. Shout out Richard Hamilton. Yeah, he's the one that really started that. Um, but Thursday night... We got a marquee matchup on TNT, Boston versus Golden State. Yeah, I think Golden State's going to trash him. It would not shock me. You know, as much as I just hyped up the Boston, um, Golden State's on another level, and uh, I think they just got too much firepower for Boston. You know, 109 points is not going to not going to beat the Warriors. Yeah, no, 109 points, no. So, Um, and then. Just another quick update. We were talking about Duke earlier uh, because I predict they were, they will make it to the Final Four. Uh, they beat Michigan State tonight, eighty-eight to eighty-one. Damn it! Grayson Allen had a career high thirty-seven points and seven threes. Yeah, well, 
He's got he's got a, he's got the best job in college basketball. He's a senior playing with some of the best freshmen in the country. And his coach is Coach K. He's got Coach K. He's got big guys around him. He's going to be wide open from three all year. Yeah. So, That's uh, the last decent thing I'll ever say about him. <laughs> Let's just hope he doesn't kick anybody this year. Or well, I hope he does. <laughs> uh, so on that note, uh, that about wraps up this week of the Sports Kingdom and the TSK show. You got any shout-outs before we get out of here, Tyler? Uh, you know, I got one to home ca- hometown dude. Um, he's from Lacey, Washington, which is a small town uh, outside of Olympia. But he became the all-time leader in Carolina Panthers rushing history, uh, Jonathan Stewart. Wow. He's rushed for 7,000 yards for his career. Um, it's He's just the first guy that I, I saw, like, closely, you know, be a dominant high school athlete, yeah. be a dominant college athlete, and now he's had a great career in the pros. Um, it's kind of trippy to see uh, Jonathan Stewart, all-time leader in Panthers history. Yeah, so shout-out Jay Stu. And uh, one other guy from the same high school, Timberline High School in Lacey, Washington. Um, Stevenson just signed – a basketball player from Timberline just signed a letter of intent to Wichita State, which is wow, badass. that's pretty cool. Um, it's really cool to see a South Sound guy go to Wichita State. Uh, yeah, you never hear of that. That's really cool. And who doesn't love Wichita State basketball, so. Was he getting looks from Gonzaga? I'm sure he was. I mean, I think he's been a really good player for a long, long time, 6'5 shooting guard. So it's going to be fun to watch him play at Wichita State. So Timberline High School getting the big shout-out tonight. Yeah. Uh, got a Wichita State basketball player and got the all-time leading rusher for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, that, I, that's awesome. So, uh, yeah, that wraps up uh, the TSK show here at the Sports Kingdom this week. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the TSK show. And if you want to find myself or Tyler on Twitter, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler's world, or excuse me, at Tyler's underscore world underscore. Uh, Yeah, so uh, we'll be back next week for another great episode of TSK Show. Yes, sir.